RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. After a brief hiatus of last week, we took the week off. Uh, A, I had a freaking hellacious uh, toothache that had me down. And then uh, just the whole, uh, we kind of bummed out, man. We ended up having to cancel our uh, December event after uh, some uh, careful deliberation. The uh, tie night at the Joe was a no-go. And uh, so now we turn our attention to January, where we've got a big doubleheader coming up for you guys at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. And that's going to be January 8th and 9th. We've got a big uh, amateur card on Friday, big all-pro card on Saturday. We'll be getting into that um, much more in-depth in the coming weeks. But uh, for this week, we're going to uh, take a quick look back at this past weekend's UFC uh, Vegas number 16, uh, headlined by Marvin Vittori versus Jack Hermanson. And then uh, we're going to jump ahead to this weekend's big pay-per-view, UFC 256, and we're going to uh, get a preview going for that. Uh, and the next week, make sure you tune in, is it will be uh, our buddy Tyler Edwards. He is having his first event called Primal Combat. We're going to have him join us next week to talk with us some about his show. And uh, since we didn't get to do a picks panel for the uh, Tie Night at the Joe, we'll close out this uh, season with picks on uh, his uh, card uh, in Lebanon. It's goes down next Saturday night. And uh, there'll be lots of familiar faces that we're uh, accustomed to seeing on the Valor cards on that show. So that'll be fun to talk about. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Watson, and also joining us here this evening, we got the voice of Valor, Jeff Hobbs, who uh, I've uh, lured into, or back into, I guess you would say, uh, the devious and degenerate world of uh, of sports betting. So uh, he's uh, he's gotten a, a good taste of that the past few weeks. We'll be getting his insight as well on uh, on the fights, man. Uh, gentlemen, uh, how are we doing this evening? Justin, it's uh, unfortunate we didn't get to do a show last week, but uh, we'll trudge on through this thing and, uh, and get through uh, the rest of this year and, and start fresh next year. Yeah, it was unfortunate to have to cancel, um, but this next event's going to be massive, uh, you know, Friday night and Saturday night. Going back to back with the All Pro Show on Saturday, it's going to be crazy, man. Jeff, of course, uh, always, uh, always, uh, you know, a bummer whenever you're you're getting ready for a show and then uh, it ends up uh, not happening. But uh, obviously, uh, we've got a big one next week. We'll get to uh, we'll get to see each other and uh, do what we do in Lebanon. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, hate to be bougie and materialistic, but it uh, really sucks to lose a payday. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, exactly. I, uh, I already had that money spent. I was supposed to give <laughs> Chuck at the Joe that money uh, for some uh, some January Upshirt tickets, man. Oh, so, wow. Uh, yeah, I just it just hit me uh, a second ago that without that show, I never saw him and got my tickets. So. <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be a treat to uh, – I'm always uh, traveling up that way to see you. It's going to be uh, pretty cool to have you come down this way. And uh, hang out with me this uh, next weekend. Yeah, I'm pumped for it, man. A lot of our uh, Middle Tennessee talent will be on display there at Tyler Edwards Primal Combat. Let's jump into a uh, a quick recap of this past weekend's action. It was the UFC Vegas number 16. 
And uh, man, this card took a lot of uh, a lot of hits at the last minute. It lost uh, man. You're looking at the fights that that were canceled is literally as big as the list of fights that happened. Um, a lot of the guys that we were super excited to see on this card, uh, we ended up not getting to see. You know, uh, I was really excited for that Nate the Train Landweir and uh, Mozar Evluev fight. Evluev ended up pulling out with COVID or getting pulled out with COVID on fight day, and then also Cody Durden, uh, former BFC bantamweight champion, was scheduled to fight. Jimmy Flick, and uh, I guess Durden ended up having pink eye. He uh, he was wearing sunglasses at the weigh-ins. I thought it was just for for flair, but uh, apparently he was he was trying to get that pink eye cleared up before the commission noticed it. So that fight is rescheduled for the nineteenth. So that'll be next weekend. That card is really big. That card's like like fourteen or fifteen fights now. But I'm sure with COVID, we may not end up with all that. We'll talk about what we did get. Well, by the way, we also lost. Um, the Tyler Santos and Montana De La Rosa fight. So uh, for me, that going into that card, those were kind of like my three underdogs. Honestly, those are the three underdogs I was going to play. And um, that said, had they fought, maybe I wouldn't have done as well as I did. This ended up being a really good night for me. Uh, main event, it was Marvin Vittori stepping in on short notice uh, for Kevin Holland, who ended up getting pulled with a COVID test. And then he's been moved to the card that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show this weekend at USC 256, uh, Vittori steps in. He was uh, essentially traded opponents with Kevin Holland, originally supposed to face Jockery this weekend. And, man, looked great. All, went all five rounds, got a pretty wide unanimous decision win over Jack Hermanson, lost the third round. But, man, well, you know, to be in there on short notice, even though he was preparing for a fight, he wasn't preparing for a five-round fight, whereas Hermanson was. Uh, yeah, looked really good and uh, breaks into the top five rankings with this win. He's calling out the big guns, you know. Uh, that said, I, I thought that uh, Hermanson looked pretty good. I thought uh, he also had a stylistic change from Kevin Holland to Vittori that he had to adjust to. And he fought valiantly the whole time, honestly. Like, I was on Vittori, and I was on the over two and a half, which both cashed. But at the same time, I was still kind of, like, scared there towards the end just because Hermanson was, like, really starting to pick up steam. Your thoughts on this main event, Justin? Man, I think – you know, this was a big win for Vittori. He's had a rough year. He's had three fights canceled. He got stuck in England, you know, at the beginning of the year uh, when the COVID thing happened. And he had a, a fight, you know, fall through and was stuck there. And he's lost a couple more. And then just getting this, you know, to be it, – it was crazy, you know, watching with people who don't really know what's going on in the sport. And you're like, this guy's ranked 14th and this guy's ranked 4th. But the guy who's ranked 14th is the favorite in the fight. You know, it's like Vittori was, was – low ranked for what we knew he was capable of i think um and I, it was a great performance you know being able to go five rounds and showing that when you're not preparing for it is uh, a, a really good sign of what you're going to see when he does prepare for five round fights um you know he's he gave izzy izzy the toughest fight that he's had obviously he's the only person that's won um a, a, on a judge's scorecard against izzy um so you know i think that there's there's uh some some desire for that fight down the road as well. Jeff, you, uh, of course, uh, we know Vittori gave Adesanya one of his best runs yet. It was lost a split decision. Now he's kind of worked as we back up to the top five. You see Vittori as a uh, legitimate contender here. Well, I think this is going to be uh, kind of the norm. I mean, everybody wants a piece of Izzy. Everyone, it, It's almost like the uh, McGregor thing again, where everybody wants that fight. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I think the line is just, I don't know, the line's long, man. And so it depends on if uh, the UFC is going to allow some of these super fights to happen. If, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, at the end of the day, does Izzy call the shots like Connor calls the shots? Uh, is he going to want a piece of that? So it's hard to say whether that fight's going to happen or not, or who really, you know, has a has a claim to uh, to that next opponent status. Um, it'll be interesting, man. All I know is, like you said, you got me back into this betting shit. And uh, there was a moment there where I didn't, uh, I wasn't sure if this thing was going over two and a half rounds. Uh, that's that's where I went on this main event. And there was a was it the first or the second round uh, there that uh, I, I swear the ref could have stopped it at any minute and ruined my whole card. It was the second round, and I, I remember that instance. It was very close, and because uh, he dropped him, you know, and uh, that was uh, that was my heart. My heart leapt for a minute. Uh, co-main event. Uh, Ovin St. Prue drops uh, drops this one uh, to Jamal Hill in the second round. TKO never went down, uh, just kind of an accumulation of strikes. Um, I thought Hill showed good quickness, uh, did, did a good job of putting his combinations together. Uh, struggled a little bit with the leg kicks from Ovin's, but uh, in the second round just did really good whenever he would be able to get Ovin's back to the cage. He'd really kind of just let it go, you know, and, um, you know, had Ovin stunned there. Uh, I think Ovin, uh, you know, looked uh, a little out of sorts in this one. Uh, I think at this, uh, at this point in his career, he is, uh, allowed, uh, a showing like this from time to time. And, uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, he'll be back at it fighting these tough fights in no time. Jamal Hill, meanwhile, sneaks into the top 15 and takes Ovin's uh, slot there in the rankings. Now your thoughts on the co-main event, Jeff? Yeah, you know, I don't know the details, but man, uh, something just looked so off with uh, with Vince uh, the other night. Um, I, you know, we all know him well enough to know that this isn't one of those cases where we would say, you know, he he just didn't want to be there. We know Vince always wants to be there, but I don't know. I don't know if there was an injury. I don't know if there was something going on. Just did not look himself uh, that night. Um, but Vince is a is a guy that's been around, so you know he's been at the highest you know, a level at this, you know, going against John Jones. But when you've been around for so long, then here comes the next wave of up and coming, uh, you know, the next the next set of superstars that are coming through, the next set of big names that are trying to make names for themselves. So, you know, it's not going to get any easier uh, for these cats that have been around uh, the block for a while because these new young guns are coming through and, and that's how they're trying to make a name for themselves. And Jamal Hill did a great job. Uh, I would just really love to hear, you know, more uh, on Vince's side, not to take away from Hill's, uh, you know, the shine off of, of a big win for him. But, you know, there was a moment, I don't know why it, it hit me like it did, but, you know, when they do the little preview right before commercials and they take the camera into their locker rooms and, you know, Hill was up and kind of still swinging the swinging the gloves and shadow boxing and Vince was sitting down with his back up against the wall. And I don't know why it hit me the way it did, but I was just like, you know, was something wrong. So. I don't know. Uh, luckily, we don't get this chance often. Uh, we're not around a lot of UFC stars uh, very often, but uh, having our shows in Knoxville, we get to see Vince. So uh, luckily, it'll be something that maybe, uh, you know, I'll be able to ask him about. Yeah, no doubt, man. I think it was one of those things where you never know uh, the bumps and bruises guys endure in training camps in, in the lead up to this. I thought that he, he looked off at weigh-ins. Obviously, Vince has never missed weight. You know, it's not something that in, in 20 uh, three UFC fights that has ever happened to him. So, uh, you know, when he missed the weight, uh, that was obviously something that uh, was concerning and, and the way that he kind of just looked 
on the scale, it, you know, it's rare that you see Ovens kind of looking sucked out. You could tell that he tried really hard to make the weight. Uh, he, he looked like uh, the effort was there to, to get there. So you, you got to wonder if there was just something else going on. Uh, feature about Gabriel Benitez looked great, man. Big uh, crushing knee to the sternum. Uh, knocks out Justin James. Um, I cashed on that one, but man, I was scared the whole time because James is one of these guys that's just coming forward, throwing heat every time. So it's a little wild. It's a little loopy, but you know he's throwing hard enough that he can end the night at any point. Uh, before that, Roman deletes with a split decision went over John Allen. I was sweating that one because... I had the leads, and I thought he won all the rounds, but uh, apparently one judge didn't. Same judge that judged that fight for Paul Felder uh, against uh, Rafael Dos Anjos uh, a few weeks back gave this fight to John Allen. So uh, even Paul Felder called him out on commentary for that fuckery. Uh, that was one that I was – when they announced that it, they gave the first two and I saw it was going to be split, I was like, no, 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 because uh, that would have absolutely sank all of my parlays for the night. Luckily, came out uh, and justice was, uh, did prevail. Justin uh, Watson, your thoughts here on, uh, on these two. Yeah. The, <clears throat> the decision was ridiculous, man. When they, when, when you saw that it was a split decision, I mean, it was already like 30. I'm pretty sure they gave it. They gave out on all three rounds uh, that judge did. Um, maybe not. I think but, so. Yeah, I think I'm, you're I, right. Actually. I'm pretty sure right. they did, dude. And it was like, like he pretty obviously to me lost all three rounds and, you know, I, I could see you giving him one round maybe, but uh, to give him all three rounds is is nuts, you know. And I'm glad they did call that judge out. Um, you know, deletes the guy is, I think is is a, a a true true prospect coming up in light heavyweight division with you know a vast array of tools, uh, but he's gonna have to get a little bit smarter in there. I feel like you know in the first round he he looked over at his coach and asked him if he wanted him to submit you know, the Brazilian John Allen and he's like diving for heel hooks and shit. And like, I didn't like that. No, dude. He, he like, you're, he's obviously has the advantage on the feet. He can stay inside of his garden, smash him all he wants or get, you know, into half garden and throw some ground and pound. And he's like diving back on ankles. Um, it just was a little bit too much confidence there. I feel like, you know, as, as definitely as he gets up into the more elite of the weight class, it's not going to be, uh, something that works out for him. Um, Gabriel Benitez, I was with you, man. I was afraid of Justin James. Last minute, I was thinking, man, I almost wish I would have taken James as a dog here just because he, the dude's wild. You just never know. You know, he can pull it out. Um, but Gabriel Benitez looked amazing. That knee to the sternum was was devastating. Leading off the main card, man. Now, this guy here, he, he was a beneficiary of, of the fallouts, essentially, because he would have been down on the prelims. Instead, he gets to open the main card. Jordan Levitt moves to 8-0, uh, Contender Series alum. And, man, this guy is the absolute definition of unassuming. You would never think this guy's a fighter. He's, a, uh, you know, just a certainly an odd character. Uh, knocks out Matt Wyman with a slam in 22 seconds. And I believe it is the uh, first ever uh, TKO or KO in the UFC in which no uh, strikes were thrown. And uh, Jordan Levitt, man, uh, moves to eight. No, uh, at first, you know, when if, upon just first watching this, you would almost think that it was kind of a fluke. But uh, Jeff, this was no fluke. He uh, he definitely he, he framed it perfectly. No, absolutely. Uh, you and I were talking at this one and same thing we said then, like. A lot of people are going to think that this was like one of those fluke uh, 
knockouts. But if you watch before he goes down, the way he purposely, you know, pulls his his left arm in and frames it across his face and across his jaw, he knew exactly what he was doing. It was beautiful. Not a lot you can say about it other than just a, a beautifully uh, completed technique there. I believe we've got to say that's probably the end for Wyman. Wyman just looked very old out there. Uh, he was cut know. today, Tim. He was oh, was he? Cut today. Yeah. All right. That makes sense then. Yeah. Almost uncomfortable, uh, honestly, <laughs> just uh, watching that. Uh, the preliminaries, uh, also good action. Louis Smoka with a uh, second round TKO uh, ground and pound victory over uh, Jose Quinones. Uh, looked good, man. I thought Smoka is one of these guys that, uh, you know, it when he gets on a roll, he's really kind of capable of beating almost anyone. Uh, one guy that really stood out to me was the second bout of the night. Ilya Tapuria moves to 10 and 0 with a first round knockout over Damon Jackson, the leech. Uh, man, Tapuria is one to watch that. This guy is so well-rounded, so exciting. Uh, knocks off Yusuf Zalal in his debut. Now he's 10 and 0. And this is a guy that there's just so many exciting fights that I can think of for him in featherweight leading off the card. Jake Collier, uh, bounces back from a very uh, poor showing against Tom Aspinall and uh, a few months back, and he gets a uh, unanimous decision over John Volante. This is one that I was really kind of scared to trust either guy just because he didn't know what you're going to get with Collier. Uh, but tell you what, man, uh, you know Collier used to be a middleweight, and he's he's definitely like a, a tubby uh, fat body here at but at heavyweight. But I he was actually looked pretty quick, and I thought that his striking actually was remarkably pretty good. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on the prelims. We'll wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, I agree with um, Jake Collier. I went against him. I took with uh, Volante here. I mean, Volante should be fighting at 205. He's puffed up too, but Volante's a small heavyweight. Uh, where Collier weighed in right there at the limit. Um, and, you know, he definitely had the size advantage, but he had the speed advantage, I, I think, as well. And um, I don't know. Maybe he can do some, some damage at heavyweight um, being – you know, as athletic as he is, um, throwing, you know, some high kicks that you don't see in the division much. But um, it's wild when you see a guy with, you know, go from 185 to 265. Uh, something, something's got to be going on there, I feel like. Um, then, yeah, Tepora was looked looked amazing, man. You know, Damon Jackson's no pushover. Um, obviously, uses the law as a, as a tough cat. Um, but... Uh, getting past Damon Jackson, uh, making it two in a row is a big, big step for him. Uh, I think you'll probably see, see him in some big featherweight fights coming up. Absolutely. And that is going to do it for UFC Fight Night Vegas. Um Man, it's, you know, it sucks to lose the fights when you lose the fights and it's people that you really wanted to see, like the Landwehr and Durden situation. But I got to say... Honestly, this an eight fight card like this is about the perfect length of time that I for so as not to lose me uh, in my attention. Now they'd started just a little bit earlier in the night. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have complained about that. But uh, honestly, an eight eight bout card like this, I was still pretty entertained. And uh, overall, I thought it was a good card. Uh, let's move on to uh, what we got coming up this week. And uh, for that, let's bring in uh, the always venerable Greg Hopkins. Greg uh, just announced, of course. Course we already knew, but uh, officially getting ready to, to return to the cage for the big rematch with the Asian persuasion, Jason King, on January the 9th, the main event of that second night of our doubleheader. Greg, how's it going, my man? You in, uh, you, in, you hit the training mode yet, or are you waiting until after Christmas? Uh, nope, it's, uh, we're in full effect right now, man. We're going to Christmas, so 
it, it's not nothing new to me. I've wrestled my whole life, man. I've missed many, many Thanksgiving, many things, uh, you know, Christmas, many New Year's Eve. Missed a lot, so it's like nothing new to me, man. It's uh, I'm, I'm in full training mode now. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. I'm excited for it, man. We'll talk a lot more about that fight in the coming weeks. For now, let's get into this weekend's actions very quickly. And we're not going to really spend any time on this, but just to see if anybody has any, any take on it. Uh, we've got Bellator. Uh, that is going down tonight, uh, Thursday night. And it's, uh, you know, these Thursday night cards are a nice little midweek break. I like it. Nothing on this card of, of any real note to talk about. Main event, of course, Alima Lane McFarland, 11 0 Defender 125 title against Juliana Velasquez or her toughest test to date. She's 10 and 0. And this is the first time I think I've ever seen McFarlane as the underdog. This fight opened as, as about a pick And now the public has bet on Velasquez very heavily. She's now minus 170 with McFarlane coming back at 140. I do think Velasquez is going to be a tough out, but man, I, how can I not take McFarlane plus 140? Justin, any uh, thoughts on this Bellator cards or anything else on here that looks uh, worth talking about? I see we've got a, we've got a Gracie siding, a Rob, Robson Gracie, Junior is on here at minus five fifty, and you won't be able to pay me to lay any kind of odds like that on any of these Gracies. Nah, um, the like you said about the main event, I was really surprised to see uh, Velasquez is the favorite there. She's her only notable win um, was a split decision over uh, uh, Laura. Alejandra yeah, yeah, Laura. yeah, Alejandra Laura, and uh, you know it's not. It's not a bad win, you know, but it's not like a anything super solid like Lima Lake McFarland has has shown us. Uh, so I was surprised by that one. I'll probably be taking Lima Lay. Um, Magomed Magomedov is one of those Dagestanis that's just a, a bulldog, uh, somebody to watch out for. He's got a win over Peter Yan. Yeah, uh, I think one interesting fight on this card is going to be Litton Vassal and Ronnie Marks. Litton is a is a pretty heavy favorite, but uh, Ronnie Marks is. You know, one of those Brazilians that um, at any time he can snatch a hold of something. He's he's mm. mean. He's you know, I think he's one of those shooter box type guys. Um, so that that that'll be a fun fight to watch. I think your boy Cody Law on here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you guys right now if you're able to get in on this action, I've got your 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 undercard Bellator special, which it pretty much always cashes if you'll listen to me because I know how the Bellator matchmaking works. And these guys, uh, if you if you get if you take Davion Franklin, who is two and zero, but he's also if you look a little deeper, uh, he's the recipient of the Bellator scholarship, Jackson Wink scholarship, where they pretty much you know handpick these guys to get all the all their training paid for at Jackson Wink. They're blue chippers and they're going to bring them along the right way. Davion Franklin, along with Cody Law, who's another guy that's in that kind of boat. He's a, you know, a, a, a national champion uh, wrestler at the D2 level, I believe. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the third leg to that, Romero Cotton, who is uh, 4-0 and another one. Uh, he's a, a national championship wrestler. Just one of these guys that you know that Bellator's bringing along and they're giving them the right matchups. Law, Cotton, Franklin, parlay them all three together. They're all relatively heavy favorites, and you're going to get back about plus 150, and it's free money in your pocket to do that. Uh, Let's move on to the UFC pay-per-view this weekend. It's UFC 256. Davidson Figueredo defends his flyweight championship 
of the world against Brandon Marino and a quick turnaround for both these guys. I believe it's three weeks, maybe, uh, that these guys are both uh, making the turnaround. They were both on the same card just a few weeks back. Davis and Figueredo uh, comes out victorious over Alex Perez. Uh, very one-sided fight. Uh, Brandon Marino beats Brandon Roy Val that night and takes very – neither guy took really any damage, so there was a quick turnaround. A lot of people thought Brandon Marino – should have had that title fight instead of Alex Perez anyway. So um, the odds are very, uh, they're a little bit slimmer, but they're very close to what they were when Figueredo defended against Perez a couple weeks ago. Um, Figueredo, obviously the uh, the favorite here going into this fight and his title defense. Uh, and he is right around minus 300 to minus 350, depending on uh, where you're looking. Um, he's uh in, in my opinion, uh, you know, a rightful favorite here. I think Moreno's, uh, you know, well-rounded, and a lot of people are giving him a, a shot here. But Figueredo uh, is my pick. I'll go to each of you guys for this main event, and then we'll uh, then we'll uh, run through the rest of the card a little bit quicker. Uh, Justin, your thoughts here on uh, on this title fight, 125? I actually like this fight a lot. I, I don't think Moreno's a bitch, and Figueredo's so exciting. He's going to be... You know, anybody he fights, he's coming straight forward, and it's going to be fireworks. And I think Moreno uh, will oblige that. I'm hoping that he can make the fight be drawn out a little bit. We we might see, um, you know, three or four rounds of of just hard fought uh, action at 125 in that fight. Um, but I, I agree. I've, I see Davison uh, getting a finish here, um, and the sky's the limit for him after that. I think. All right, so that's two of us on Figueredo. Uh, Jeff Hobbs, your take on this uh, main event? Are you uh, riding with a favorite? I, I kind of got to, uh, but it's going to be an exciting fight, man. It's going to be a great fight. Uh, the fact that they were both on that same card uh, with quick turnarounds, uh, so everything's still kind of uh, even Steven here on that. You know, I, you take away Mighty Mouse Johnson and, and Cejudo, you know, I just feel like this group of flyweights that's here now that – that anybody can be beaten on any given night, you know, with Johnson and Cejudo, you know, you always felt like this was, a, you know, they were no brainers, but, uh, you know, I think the, the odds are correct. I, I like, uh, Davison in it, but I still kind of have that feeling like on any given night, any one of these guys can, uh, can be beaten. Greg, your take. My, this is a hard one right here because you got you got Marino in here at a plus two sixty five and those are that's a very appealing plus two sixty five right there. Uh, I don't I don't know how we pick uh, against Figueredo though. Uh, he's minus three thirty five. It's hard to bet him with those uh, with those odds. But like if I were you know to bet on that fight, I would bet that it doesn't go the distance. I don't think Marino's ever been finished, but um, I think Marino. I think that Figueredo, if he hits him, he'll he'll go down. You know. I think that that fight doesn't go the distance. Co-main event. Uh, man, a lot of people are excited for this one. This may be the most anticipated fight on the card. And I know I, I'm real pumped for it. Lightweight action. It's Tony Ferguson trying to rebound off of a, a loss. Of, a lot of people may say surprising loss to Justin Gaethje. Man, he got lit up. You know, he got he, he got touched up quite a bit in that fight. And he's going to be taking on the surging Charles Dubronx Oliveira, who's won seven in a row, all finishes. And um, now, you know, 
it's not like he's been fighting the level of competition that Tony Ferguson has. Let's keep it in perspective there. But man, Oliveira's just got a lot of momentum. He's a guy that uh, feels like he's been overlooked. And in all fairness, he, he really kind of has been overlooked. Ferguson, the favorite here at minus one, yeah, you know, in a median minus 170-ish uh, with Oliveira coming back in the realm about 140, 145. I personally like a shot at the underdog Oliveira here. Um, obviously, Ferguson is, uh, you know, uh, dangerous out always, but uh, man, it just seemed to me like he really got touched up a lot in this last fight. If Oliver is able to put his hands on him, you know, we'll see what if Ferguson's uh, what his durability is like. So I like the plus money on Charles Oliveira. Uh, Jeff, your take on this co main event, man. This is the one, this is honestly the fight I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, if this gets to the ground, the chess match is going to be something else to watch uh, on the ground. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of like you, like Oliveira right now. Uh, I've got him at a plus 148, so it's it, it might be a little hard to pass that up. But, mm-hmm. but man, Tony Ferguson, I mean, the guy didn't lose a fight for like eight years, you know, since like I think the, the loss to Michael Johnson in 2012. He went on like, I don't know, a 12-fight winning streak. Uh, and it is a who's who of, of names here. Um, but like you said, man, did he get touched against Gagey. Yeah. And that's that's one of those fights that like you watch it and you think like this it's not just a loss. Those are the type of beatings that change your life. Right. That change, right. change a fighter completely. But Tony Ferguson is out there, man. The dude is an alien from another planet. <laughs> He's not like every other fighter. You know, sometimes people get humbled a little after a, a beating like that. He does. He comes right back and is the same Tony Ferguson talking the same amount of shit that he did before he got his ass whooped. Um, you know, like I said, the, the win streak that Oliveira has been on uh, didn't really have a lot of names, but that Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee was supposed to be the next big thing. And Kevin Lee's a stud, man. Uh, mm-hmm. He really is. So that was a big win for Oliveira. Um I'm hoping it goes to the ground just to watch that jujitsu chess match, uh, chess match go on. But Every time you think a fight's going to go to the ground, uh, it doesn't. So, um, so it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good one. But when it goes to the bets, I'm going to. I'm an underdog type of guy, so uh, I, I feel like it's a waste of my time to sit and uh, bet for a, a small payout. I want the big one, so uh, I'm taking the dog on this one. Yeah, I'm with you there, man, for sure. Um, the uh, feature bout on this card, this is a fight that got moved. Um, it got moved off of, I think, the show before last, but uh, it's a really good action fight. It's uh, Rafael uh, Fiziev, who is 8-1 and one and has really kind of been on a tear. A lot of people are high on this guy. Um, and I guess there is, I guess when you say his name is actually Rafael, not Rafael, because he's not Brazilian, right? I don't know. Uh, he's actually uh, a Kyrgyzstan, and he's out of Tiger Muay Thai out there in Thailand. Uh, coming off a win over Mark Giacassi, he's, uh, you know, he's a very, very talented striker. Taking on Hinato Moicano, who is uh, 14 and 3 and 1. Uh, coming off a win over Demir Hadzvich in uh, March. 
Uh, he's been in there with, with some really tough guys like, you know, Ortega, Cater, Swanson, Aldo, Korean Zombie, Jeremy Stevens. So, you know, Moicano's lost to some of those guys. He's he's beat some of those guys. But at the end of the day, I think that, uh, you know, he, he's kind of become like the top level gatekeeper, if you will, at 145. So we'll see if Fiziev's got what it what it takes to get past this test as he is the favorite at minus 160 ish. Moicano coming back about plus 135, 140, uh, somewhere in uh, that range. Uh, uh, Greg, your uh, your thoughts on this feature bout here. Uh, Moicano and Fiziev. Personally, I am going to probably put my money once again on the underdog here. I, I feel like I'm starting off with maybe too many dogs, but uh, you know, this will be a big step up for Fiziev as far as like level of competition. Moicano has been in there with the best. Yeah. Uh, Moicano at plus 135. Uh, if we'll look at um, his, his, if I'm correct, he doesn't have any wins by knockout. Uh, he's been knocked out twice. He's been yes. submitted once, and talking about him winning and losing some. Um, and if you uh, pronounce the Fiz Dave, how you pronounce his name? Before Justin makes fun of me, I think I think it's Fiziev. Fiziev, and he's minus one sixty. I got to start. I got to start beside his name because uh, uh, he's got a sixty percent knockout rate, and he's got a hundred percent takedown defense rate. So for it to go to the ground, I'm, I'm curious if it ever will. And uh, I don't know, man. That's really a toss-up. I think the line should be near a pick em. But if I had to pick anybody, I'd probably go with the favorite here. Yeah, I mean, you got you make a good point. If, uh, you know, he's got 100% takedown defense so far. Uh, if Moicano can't get it to the ground, yeah, he could definitely be in trouble uh, there. That, that's for sure. Um, before that, on the... Yeah, it goes to the ground. Yeah, he'd be in trouble. Yeah, I would think Moicano uh, would definitely be the favorite if this thing hits the ground. Uh, another good fight on this main card here, uh, Kevin Holland. We just talked about him. He was supposed to be in the main event uh, this past weekend against Hermanson. He has a positive COVID test, but apparently a week is all you need uh, to uh, to move on to a different fight with, uh, with uh, Jacare Souza, who was supposed to fight Vittori. Um this one's an interesting one here. It's still a good step up for Holland. Holland's like, was he like 4-0 on the year maybe? He's fought a lot this year. It's been a good year for him. A big step up once again for him, though, and an opportunity for to make like a statement fight, in my opinion, or really kind of uh, establish himself with a signature win. Uh, Jacare Souza, on the other hand, in my opinion, man, I mean, I think that Holland is, is definitely going to be dangerous and his dimensions and his athleticism bring some problems, but uh, man, I mean, it's probably still an easier fight than Vittori, you know? Like, after just seeing Vittori, like, I think Sousa's like, you know, hell yeah, I'd rather fight Kevin Harlan than Marvin Vittori right now. Uh, the odds on this one, uh, it is pretty much a pick'em. Uh, you've got Souza as just the oh-so-slight favorite on some books. Pick him on other books. Slight favorite for Holland, depending on where you're playing. But it's for all uh, intents and purposes, it's a pick'em. Uh, my lean is towards the, the veteran Souza here. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Man, I'm kind of surprised to see the odds uh, that close. <clears throat> you know, Jacare's coming off of a couple of decision losses. Um, they're to guys who are, you know, Jan's the light heavyweight champion, and before that was Hermanson, um, who was number four in the division. Uh, both of them decisions, and I don't know, man. I just feel like Jacare has a very clear path to victory here. You know, I think that um, 
I think Holland is, is a purple belt, maybe, you know, and, and probably against the average brown or black belt in the UFC, you know, mixing in the punches, he can probably hang in there. But Jacare is not your average black belt, you know, um, that, that's that's Jacare's world. And if he gets him to the ground, he's going to be so strong there. Holland is so long. Uh, if he's able to avoid the takedown, he can probably have some success on the feet. I just feel like Jacare is going to ultimately going to be on him and get him to the ground and, and smother him there. Opening up the pay-per-view portion of the card, it's heavyweight action. Uh, Junior Dos Santos, JDS, 21-8, and eight, takes on the undefeated Cyril Gaon, uh, t- teammate training partner of uh, Francis Ngannou. Uh, you know, JDS, man, he's 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 come upon hard times. You know, he's he's lost three in a row. Um and, and he's getting and he's getting knocked out in all of them. And off a loss to Yair Rosenstruck uh, back in August, where he uh, succumbed to ground and pound. Before that, knocked out by Curtis Blades uh, in January, and then before that, uh, knocked out by Francis Ngannou. Now these are all three big heavy hitters. You know, it's not like he's he's fighting chumps. That's the thing. And still, uh, Dos Santos is always going to be dangerous. But uh, you know, in my opinion, it's a big step up is uh, for Gone. Once again, that's kind of the theme that we've been getting these young bucks. You know, making uh, you know making attempt to step up there in class against these vets. Uh, you know, up until this point, Gone's best best win is over Tanner Bozer. Um, you know, he ha- doesn't have just a whole lot of. You know, if you look at the records of the guys he's fighting, they, they, they're good records, but just they're not anywhere near the spectrum of talent that Dos Santos has been fighting with it, fighting literally the world's elite. So this is a tricky one to me. I, I think, you know, knowing that Dos Santos has been getting knocked out and knowing that uh, Cyril Gaon is a knockout artist, you know, it, it seems to to be reason that Gaon should be the favorite. But right now he's like minus 420, minus 450. I can't get there on a guy that's six and O over a guy like Dos Santos, who's just his, his pedigree is, is so good, even though he is on obviously in the twilight of his career, I'm going to take a small stab at that plus three fifty on JDS. Uh, Greg. Yeah. You touched base on a lot of everything that I was going to mention. Uh, I mean, JDS plus three thirty five. He's a former world champ at plus three thirty five. I mean, that's, you know, you got to be disrespected by those odds yeah. against a guy that's coming his seventh fight. Now we will mention that his last four fights have all got canceled for different reasons. We don't, I'm not go over them, but John's uh, uh, last four fights have been canceled, so he should have a lot more on his record than he does. But yeah, five of his last six were finishes, and yeah, Tanner Bozer was his only like his, his closest win to JDS, and that's just the leap of distance. This is, and speaking of leap and the stepping up, I want to touch base on the uh, Susan Holland fight. If you look back and do a little bit of homework on all these guys. That had like a late 2019 and, and and a whole 2020. They've been having really good years of fighting all these guys that are coming up through COVID, the COVID era where there's not really they're not really UFC caliber kind of guys. They're getting you know two wins in a row, three wins in a row, like James. You know these different guys. They're getting these wins, and then they're like, all right, now we're going to match them up with an actual UFC fighter like Holland mm-hmm. versus Sue. Uh, that's where I think. Um, that big step up right there for Kevin Holland is gonna is just it's just an enormous leap of who he's been. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago about some of these guys they're stepping up and they're getting knocked back down. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also pick my pick was Souza for that one too. But and Gun right here, uh, I think he probably can get JDS inside of distance. I think that JDS is not the former world champ that he once was. Uh, 
uh, taking the stab at 335. I don't hate that. I would sprinkle a little bit on there, but uh, I would, I would, I don't even, but I don't think I would parlay, you know, gun anywhere either. So uh, I would probably take a stab at JDS on the books, but I'm, I would probably want to bet that the fight doesn't go the distance if I was gambling on it. Prelims, man, looking at this card, it's actually pretty pretty damn good. The prelims are, are pretty stacked. Uh, the feature battle on the prelims, Cub Swanson, a uh, veteran that, you know, been around forever, fought a who's who, uh, is featherweight action against Daniel Pitt Pineda. And, man, this is an all-action fight. I think that this is one that is uh, kind of one of those fight-of-the-night candidates because, you know, Pineda's uh, – Pineda's a, a hitter and he's super aggressive, but then he's got really good jiu-jitsu on top of it. You know, Swanson is, uh, I don't think Swanson's uh, ever been knocked out. I, I'm, I don't think he's ever been knocked out. So, uh, you know, I guess Pineda's going to have to get this fight to the ground. But, uh, Pineda is uh, a minus 160, uh, 165, which is, you know, based on name value, that is a little surprising to me. Uh, Cub Swanson coming back at about plus 145. Jeff Hobbs. Yeah, um, you know, Pineda's a guy that's – he's been so up and down for me. You know, um, he was a UFC guy, um, you know, had to end up going back down to LFA, uh, took a little stab in uh, Bellator, I think, like 2016, 17, somewhere in there. Uh, had to go back to LFA. Uh, so he just made his uh, return back to the UFC. Uh, he was – what is he? It was he was in PFL, I think. Yeah, yeah, he well, did good. Yeah. He got to the finals, I think. Well, he did, but uh, he had both his wins overturned um, in, in PFL uh, for a banned substance. Oh. So he had a he had a real shitty 2019. Um, uh, I just remember the, both those fights getting overturned later, um, and just you know bad 2019. But came back, had the TKO against uh, Herbert Burns. Uh, which was uh, brutal. Yeah, uh, those elbows were fucking brutal. Um, but he is going up against OG. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, fucking ocean spray camp, cranberry on the fucking skateboard cups. <laughs> uh, that's my dude right there, man. Uh, they just don't get as OG as him. I was watching an old uh, WEC fight the other day, and it is just hard to believe uh, how long this guy's been around you know, since the early 2000s. Uh, started his career out with a loss, you know, went 0 and 1, but fought his way up through, you know, King of the Cage, uh, lived in WEC for so long before he came over to the UFC, and has just been in some of the best uh, fights uh, at his weight class over the last, you know, six, seven years. Um, his last fight was again, everybody was on Cron Gracie's nutsack, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and he whooped his ass. You know, it was a good fight. It was a good fight. Um, but it kind of derailed that train. You know, everybody thought Gracie was the next big thing. Uh, so uh, he stepped on up there against the OG and, and got shown what was up. So I am still staying with uh, my Cholo, uh, Cub Swanson, on this one. And yeah, I, Cub, I wouldn't say Cub is also the uh, – this is my dog. This is definitely a, a, an underdog pick. Uh, he's at plus 136 right now on a fan duel, and I am jumping on that. 
Yeah, man, it seems like a lot of these underdogs just, to me, seem really appealing this week. I don't know if it's just because they've been biting uh, in the past weeks or what, but it seems like we do have just some some really live dogs here. Before. And there's another live dog in this next fight, a uh, female fight. The, uh, it's going to be Mackenzie Dern. It, these, both these ladies are very good on the ground. Mackenzie Dern taking on Verna Jindarova. Yes. I did. Let me touch up on that Swanson fight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got a different. You got a different take. I've, I've got to disagree with you guys. Finita minus one fifty. Twenty-seven wins in his career. Do you know how many finishes this guy has? A lot, I'm sure. Let's go look it up on Tapology real quick. Twenty-seven finishes. Oh, all finishes. All finishes is what I'm pretty wow. sure of. All, wow. all finishes. You mentioned something that you didn't think Cubs one has been finished up. For some, I don't think he's been. I don't think he's been knocked out. I don't think he's been knocked out. Think, he's been knocked. He's, he's been, been knocked out. He's been knocked out one time. One time, but he's been finished eight total now. He's, he's been, been so. He's, yeah. he's been knocked out once. Uh, Pineda's got twenty-seven finishes. So when he wins, that's how he wins. So uh, he's thirty-five right now. Uh, Cubs once has been out for a couple of years. He's been down. I don't know if he's going to knock the ring rust off for a, for a hitter like this. This fight's not going the distance. You guys is the underdog lock of the week versus my damn favorite lock of the week. I promise that. Oh, wow. and, and every time, you know, I know it's crazy, but this is who I got as me. I hope I'm not persuading you otherwise, Jeff, but I think you're not going to get finished in this fight. He's 37. <laughs> he's 37 years old. He was already on his way out a while back. So, but Both these guys are not really spring chickens. No, they're he, uh, no Panita's thirty five. Yeah. But if you take Panita inside the distance, you're getting like almost plus one fifty your money back with Panita. Twenty seven finishes. I'm gonna take my chance. That line's a little little skew right there, plus one forty inside the distance, which does bring me some. What do you like, think about uh, Panita? You know, maybe that's I'm sorry, what now? Yeah. <laughs> inside uh, the distance, right here. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's but that plus one forty is weird because he has twenty seven wins, you know, by finish. And inside the distance, he's like plus 140, plus 150. I think that he should be a lot less. I think the odds should be a lot less than that. It's just a little weird to me. And then you guys are sitting there saying Swanson's my my guy. It's making he me rethink this, but Panita was my lock. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I just want to throw that out there. I think with Swanson, you know, you've got a little bit more just, I guess, what would you say, just back class? I, uh, you know, it's just as far as, the level over the years that he's fought, you know, he hasn't always knocked these guys off, but he's, he's always been in there with pretty, pretty elite competition. And Pineda, a lot of his wins, even though he's, their records are very similar. A lot of Pineda's wins have been on the, on the regional circuit. Well, I just say, well, you know, we're talking about these old aging fighters. We just got done talking about Dos Santos. And just when you look at Cub Swanson, who's been around the block, we all know that, but he hasn't, he hasn't reached that, you know, where we feel Dos Santos is where it's like, okay, as soon as he gets touched, he's done, you know, he's going out and, and Swanson just for me, hasn't gotten there yet. I mean, he's still in these wars. No matter. I mean, and the guys he's lost to recently, I mean, Edgar and Ortega, you know, are still not slouches either. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, Greg's probably writing a lot of things that he's talking about. Um, but my, I mean, my choice is just my heart on this one. Not necessarily that I got a lot to to back it up as much as I just feel he's still an old, crafty vet who hasn't lost his chin yet. 
And then before that, we have got Mackenzie Dern, Verna Janderoba. This is strawweight fight, two grappling uh, specialists here. Mackenzie uh, McKenzie Dern, the favorite, uh, right around minus 190 to 200 with Janderoba coming back at plus 165-ish. It's another underdog I like, man. I mean, Dern obviously has world-class jiu-jitsu. She's been seven girls. Uh, Jinderoba has, I think she's black belt too. Um, neither of these girls are really good strikers, but I think Jinderoba's wrestling may be better. So if Dern struggles to get her down, uh, we kind of get just one of those like coin toss kickboxing matches. Potentially Dern striking is not good, but she does throw kind of hard. Uh, Justin, your take. I like this fight a lot. Uh, Jinderoba's got 16 wins, 13 by submission. Um, and, and obviously that's what Mackenzie Dern's looking to do. Uh, both girls coming off of, uh, you know, fairly quick submission wins in their last two fights. Um, I, I agree this this may end up being a stand-up fight. I, I don't know. Um, Jen Robo is just has a, has that killer look in her. She's kind of like Davidson Figueredo, you know. She just she's something about the way she looks scares me. So I think I'm going to play uh, Jen Robo on this. Uh, if she gets on top and is able to control Mackenzie Dern, like you said, with with the wrestling, um, and she can stay out of the submission, she might be able to lay a lot of damage on Mackenzie Dern and then and then sub her and get her out of there. She's kind of like that mix between Figueredo and Maurice Green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I got to go with Jinder over too, man. Again, this is this is one of those cards where I really like these underdogs, which in turn makes my DraftKings lineup uh, construction feel much easier because I don't mind. Uh, we'll talk. We'll we'll do DraftKings at the very end, but I don't mind uh, taking these chances on all these underdogs. Uh, and then leading off the uh, the. The televised prelims, my opinion, another fight of the night uh, candidate right here. This is good. Uh, 145, Billy Q, Billy Quintillo taking on Gavin Tucker. Um, you know, Tucker, uh, a very hyped Canadian prospect. He he, he came into the UFC undefeated. Uh, he ended up uh, taking a loss where he about got beat to death. And then he came back and beat Justin James after getting dropped by Justin James early. Uh, he's taking on Billy Q, Billy Quintillo, who's been looking really good. Uh, in the UFC, beat Spike Carlisle, and that was that was a really good win. Uh, I'm a fan of Billy Q, and I was, I'm a fan of playing Billy Q on uh, fantasy too, because he's the kind of type of dude that racks up a lot of points. Yeah, he's always busy. He's the favorite here. He's the first one of the few favorites I like here. Actually, Billy Quarantillo minus 165, Gavin Tucker back at 145. Uh, Justin, uh, yeah, um. I like Billy Quarantillo here too. He's one of those kids that has come up recently. Did he come off the Contender Series? I think he did. I, I believe he did. He's been around a while though. Billy Billy Q's been around for it feels like a damn decade. Really? I feel like it's just been a, a year maybe or two. Not, maybe not that long, but like I feel like Jeff back when XFC was around, wasn't Billy Q a guy that they used? Uh, yeah, actually he was. Yeah, that's what I thought. So he's been around a minute. Yeah, uh, I think he's the more well-rounded fighter um, in this. In this, you know, I think he's the going to be the aggressor, um, and I like him as the favorite in that fight. And then, of course, uh, we've got a late change here. Originally supposed to be Angela Hill versus Tisha Torres on the main card. Uh, Angela Hill has COVID. And so now we get Tisha Torres versus late replacement Sam Hughes, who we've seen uh, coming up on these developmental shows. Uh, Sam Hughes, Sam Page, um, she fought um, uh, for the LFA for her last three fights. 
including what I believe would did you know she didn't win the belt, did she? She uh she ended up uh losing the belt to Vanessa Demopoulos. That's her one loss, but she is coming off a win. Short notice fight against the tiny tornado, Tisha Torres, very, you know, long time vet. I think Torres is gonna probably be better here. I think Hughes could be good uh, one day, but I think right now on short notice is an uphill climb. Tisha Torres, a pretty heavy favorite, minus 450. Hughes coming back at plus 350. I I mean, I don't really, this is one of, one of, it's pretty long odds, but I don't know that I can still bring myself even at plus 350 to play Hughes. Uh, Justin, anything on this? No, I mean, um, I think Tisha is, is, is you know, going to get a pretty solid win here. I think she, she got lucky to um, miss out on Angela Hill. In this one, um, and should 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 just flop through an easy win here. All right, and then the early prelims. These are the two weakest fights on the card, as you would suspect. Heavyweight action. We've got Jared Vandera coming off of a contender series win over Harry Hunsucker, Valor vet. He took that fight on short notice. Uh, really came out and uh, threw hard early, and then he blew his wide and was gassed. And Vandera came out on top. Pretty big dude. He he call, he gets the contract, and then oddly enough, he calls out Sergey Spivak, which is probably <laughs> the most random call out ever, and he gets it. So here we are, uh, Sergey Spivak and Jared Vandera, and uh, Spivak the favorite, minus 230. Uh, Vandera back at about plus 200, 195, somewhere in that realm. This is low-level heavyweight action, folks, and I've never really been too high on Spivak. I don't know that Vandera's that good either, but I think he's a lot bigger. And so um, I can't get behind Spivak versus pretty much anyone at minus 230. So uh, there's another situation where I would take a stab at the underdog plus uh, plus 195, plus 200, Vandera. Uh, Justin, anything on this? We're about through this bad boy. No, I agree with you on that. I, I'm surprised me that Spivak's that heavy of a favorite, actually. Um, it, it sounded like a smart call off for Vandera when he, you know, when he knocked out or knocked off Hansucker. Um, to get get in quick and get an easy win, uh, and I would have imagined him to be the favorite in this fight, but um, but yeah, it's not it's not going to be the the elite uh, prospects here. Kicking off the night, we know. have yeah, go yeah go ahead. I just wanted to say with Spivak, what we actually were. Uh, you said that's the that's the fellow who fought a Hunsucker that night, right? No, his opponent. Uh, no, no, Vendera. Yeah, Vendera. Yeah. Vendera. He called out Spivak. Spivak, you've seen in yeah. there in such uh, barn burners. Uh, he got he got yeah. killed by Walt Harris. Yeah, barn burners. Um, yeah. Well, with that, Spivak's minus two thirty. And I mean, like you know, do we, who wants to lay down minus two thirty on Spivak? No, nobody does. But Van, no. Vendera, when I watched him, I watched him while we were talking. That fight, he doesn't. He's really slow. His output is like really low. He doesn't. He doesn't do a whole lot. He tries to. He tries to push his way around the cage. If Spivak's able to move out of the way and just cut angles, I think that he could just touch him up on the feet. If it, if it goes to the ground, I think I don't know, but I'm going to go with Spivak there. I don't know that plus 190 is, is is appealing, but I don't think that I don't think that Vandera wins that fight. I think he's too slow and it's too soon for him right now. You may be right. You may be right there. I just have a hard time laying that kind of wood with Spivak. Just at, just because, oh, yeah. like, most times I see him, I'm just like, man, this guy's fucking terrible. Uh, right. <laughs> um, opening up the night, we've got the curtain jerker, and it is uh, this one, another interesting one here, as we have got uh, Slippery Pete, Pete Barrett. 
taking on Chase Hooper, young uh, young prospect. It's a featherweight bout. Chase Hooper, last time out, we saw him against Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy. He was a heavy uh, favorite on that night and uh, was completely exposed. Uh, you know, Hooper, very good on the ground uh, if he can get it there, but he was not able to get close to a takedown against somebody with a movement of Alex Caceres who really just uh, – made him look bad. I, I don't know that Pete Barrett is really going to be that same type of guy to be able to, uh, to make him look like that as Caceres did as once again, Hooper is a pretty big favorite here. I fell for this trap last time and I didn't feel good about it. Um, we've got uh chase Hooper is a big favorite. He's minus 400 here. Pete Barrett coming back at plus three twenty. I don't know, man, this is one where I probably going to just pass because you know, I Hooper made me feel real dumb last time. And I still don't know that Bear's really that good though. So Hooper could still outclass him here if he's able to get it to the ground. Greg, you got any thoughts on this one? I'm in the same boat as you are. Hooper made me look like a fool again. So Bruce Lee really right there, man. Uh and, 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 I I'm not laying I'm not laying minus four hundred. I'm definitely not parlaying his ass anywhere. I'm not putting Hooper in my lineup anywhere. If I do put Hooper in there, I'm gonna get him by submission. And I don't yeah. know what the odds are on that. I'm sure I'm sure it's somewhere in there. But if I was going to bet at that fight, I would bet Hooper by submission. I don't care what round what. But uh, I think at one point in time, because he like he doesn't do takedowns. He just kind of like laces your his legs around like this, like a snake and spaghetti noodles you, and just kind of falls down. And then his, his equilibrium is so good that he's able to edge his way back around to where to get wherever position he wants so that's why i would take hooper minus uh, or hooper uh, by submission it's even money even money on hooper by submission there you go uh justin any thoughts on this one man i i don't know if i can get behind hooper yet till i see better yeah no i feel like i can't really remember but pete barrett's last fight was used to the law and went to a decision i feel like pete barrett was just you know real tough gritty um and was able to to you know, withstand a lot of shots and, and bring a lot of, um, of ferocity as well. I don't know that Chase Hooper is going to be able to uh, weather a storm like that. Um, you know, I, the kid's still so young. Um, you know, it's it's weird even seeing him in there, but um, he's going to have to get it to the ground in order to to make me feel comfortable. I won't be playing him. I agree with you guys as far as uh, I won't be playing him anywhere. <laughs> All right, and that is our fight card. Before you drive, uh, jump into DraftKings real quick. I'm going to give you guys a chance to just give your quick picks on each on each of these. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, just run down the card real quick. I got Figueredo. I got Oliveira, the underdog. I got Moicano, the underdog. I've got Souza, who is kind of the underdog in some books. I've got Junior Dos Santos at plus 350. I've got, uh, I'm going to go with Cub Swanson as the underdog plus 140. I'm going to go Jinderobo, the underdog plus 160. I'm going to go with Billy Q as the favorite over Gavin Tucker. I'll go with Tisha Torres, the favorite over Sam Hughes. Take Jared Vandera, the underdog. And then, uh, shit, man, if I got to make a call on the last one, can't. I can't lay the 400, so I'm going to go with Pete Barrett at the uh, plus money, but I don't, uh, I'm not super uh, confident in that. Uh, Hobbs. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get on that uh, Cyril uh, fight, uh, but I'm going uh, TKO or submission at minus 165. I'm going to throw Tisha Torres in there with uh, with that at minus 500. Um, 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to roll with Mackenzie Dern and Cub Swanson. Mackenzie Dern at minus 200, Swanson at plus uh, 136. All right, Justin. I got the exact same picks as you, um, except for I'm probably going to end up, I would, you know, I'm not going to bet this this fight, but as far as uh, my picks go, uh, for for a pick'em leagues, I'll, I'll probably take Hooper. Um, but other than that, I, I agree with you on on all the other ones. Greg, uh, well, I'll give you the DK lineup I'm going with. This is one I threw together. Uh, we're not talking about that yet. We're not there yet, Greg. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. You're talking about we're not there yet, Greg. No, just just quick okay. picks. If you've got any quick picks on just on on any of these oh, any plays, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Jandaroba. I like. I love Panita. Uh, Pot doesn't go distance with JDS and Gun. Uh, I like Souza at you know almost even money. Um, love Tony Ferguson. I know you guys like Oliveira. That's gonna be a fucking hell of a fight. I like Figueredo. I love. I like Hooper to finish by submission. Uh, I like Civic, Torres, and uh, Quarantillo. So from the sounds out, if, you, if you're looking for a consensus here, uh, you know, we disagree on several things. Torres seems to be one thing we can agree on. Uh, and same for uh, for it sounds like Souza, for the most part, everybody's on as well as Figueredo. So, uh, yeah, yeah, try parlaying that shit together and see how it works out for you. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> before we before we wrap this thing up, uh, real quick, DraftKings talk uh, looking at uh, this 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 week. Uh, you know, I feel like there's lots of good buy down options uh you know I, where you can really make about any kind of lineup you want as far as using your top dollar guys obviously i want to have figueredo in my lineup with him having five rounds to work with he's expensive but so we can we can uh, balance that out with uh picks on jacare you can you can have uh uh Cub swanson at a nice price you can get gender robe at a real nice price uh, and then you can also uh dive down if you wanted to take a shot at vandera uh you know heavyweight's gonna heavyweight he's uh he's pretty cheap too and, uh, you know, Hooper's the kind of guy that I, I won't be able to do. I won't be able to. I won't put him in all my lineups, but I'm going to have to have him in some, I think, just in case he goes out there and just gets a quick submission. Uh, Greg, uh, what's your take on uh, the DFS portion of this uh, this this card? Nah, I'm just going to run through my lineup real quick. I got Figueredo at 9,000. He's a 84. Janaroba at uh, 75. Panita. At 83, Souza at 8,000, and Civic at 8,800. And that leaves me with zero remaining salary, so I'm going to have to change something up, but that's what it leaves me with. Yeah, I always want to uh, consider leaving a little bit of salary on the table to try to differentiate where you can. Justin, any takes on uh, a fantasy aspect? I just threw a quick one in just to see um, what it was looking like, and uh, I threw Hooper on at the end. He's the most expensive, and I had shitload of money left over at the end, but I took... Figueredo, Quarantillo, Oliveira, Genderoba, Souza, and Hooper. Yeah, I like that actually, man, quite a bit. Uh, I like it better than Greg's. Uh, <laughs> we're, gonna to, we're, we're, gonna to, we're gonna to get it back, uh, Hobbs back into playing the uh, DFS, man, so uh, so we can get in our, our little leagues here. We we have a good time with it, and uh, that's gonna do it for this week, guys. We we uh, we. 
tidied this bad boy up in a nice, neat Valor hour. We'll be back next week as we're going to talk to Tyler Edwards about Primal Combat. We'll get some picks panel action in on that to make up for uh, lost time last week. Uh, thanks so much, as always, uh, Jeff Hobbs, Justin Watson, Greg Hopkins for sitting in with us. We thank you for spending the last hour with us. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the Valor Hour at all the fine places that you listen to your podcast. Spread the love and also like our Facebook page, uh, the Valor Hour Podcast. Uh, Till next time, I'm Tim Lawyer, your host, signing out. We'll see you all next week. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Really, Daniel, I think the big question with this one is, is Diveson Figueredo making a mistake in having two title defenses in 21 days? Jason, I don't know. I'll tell you on Sunday morning. <laughs> I look, I'll tell you this much. Davison versus Brandon Moreno is a great fight. On a normal fight camp, I'm picking Davison Figueredo to win. And on this fight camp, I'm picking him to win. But if Davison loses to Brandon Moreno, Jason, with the benefit of hindsight, I'll say yes. But here's the deal, man. Davison has an opportunity to make a... He has a, an opportunity to make a, like a real, real, real momentum boost for his legacy and for his career. Because right now, Davison Figueredo is a guy who is one of the most talented fighters in the world who comes across like a star. The problem is the world just doesn't know it yet. And he's putting himself in positions to get more attention from the world. By doing these fights on short notice, by saving the pay-per-view, he's going to get more time on ESPN. He starts building the, 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 the legacy that he's a champion who's going to fight anyone, anywhere. I mean, that's the type of thing that worked really well for Kevin Holland, who's also on this main card. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.